good to see already, and uh, I'm going to be uh, bringing this word today. It's, uh, it's unusual uh, for me, this particular kind of word. It's uh, it's something that that uh, has been uh, in my heart for a while, and uh, I've kind of just kind of pushed it aside, and uh, and I felt like today is much different. As I as time began to move toward today, I began, as we began to progress, um, I felt like today was simply today to bring the word. In uh, this particular I'm going to uh, be reading uh, a little bit from Ephesians chapter 4, and uh, you're going to read along with me in um, chapter 4, in, in just a minute, and we're going to do some other things. But, uh, but I think that's the one we're going to start out with. And uh, one of the things that I do, and when I'm bringing a, 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 when it's time for me to bring a word or prepare a word, uh, I heard an old guy say this a long, long time ago. And I immediately adopted that as to my sort of my, my procedure to bring a message. I would invite imaginary people. These are not people that I actually see, but they're some sort of an imaginary people. Then I bring them to my bar. Now, that's not the bar. Down the street bar is like the bar I said, my kitchen bar. And has bar stools around for the children to come and eat when they come to the house. So I bring these imaginary people come in, and they, uh, I usually have one couple there that's an older couple, um, I, I bring them in, and then I bring in a married couple that's got the struggles of middle-aged marriage things going on. I bring a teenager that has um, uh, struggles that they go through, and, uh, more so today than, than any other time, and uh, I bring a, a younger person than that because you never know who's going to be in the audience when, you, when you're going to bring the word. So I bring those people, and I try to have a nugget or a bite for everybody. Uh, Jesus, when he would uh, feed the 5,000 with five loaves and two fish, five loaves, five fish, no, it was five loaves and two fish, when he, would did, when he did that, um, he was, they had morsels for everybody. Everybody got some. And so... Uh, Try to have a little something for everyone, and uh, I hope this message today uh, stands true to that, uh, to that thing. Let's turn into uh, Ephesians and, uh, chapter 4, and let me see if I can find it. There you are. Uh, and he, this is verse 11, and he gave some apostles and some prophets, and some evangelists, and some pastors, and some teachers for the perfecting of the saints for the work of the ministry. Stop right there. The word perfecting right there is not necessarily mean that uh, I, somebody messed up along the way if, if they're waiting on me to become perfect, because I'm still working on that. But the word perfecting right there is a word for maturing. It means growing up. 
And so sometimes if I'm in a, in a crowd, I'll tell the people in the crowd, turn to the person next to you and say, oh, grow up. <laughs> or why don't you grow up? But anyway, we don't do that today because I don't know you that, some of you that well. So we won't do that. So for the perfecting of the saints, or the growing up of the saints, or the maturing of the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Now let's talk about that just for a minute. I want to uh, try to describe it. He gave the fivefold ministry to the church. And we're, are, am I okay? Uh, they, they gave the fivefold, he gave the fivefold ministry to the church. And the, his job, our jobs are as a fivefold ministry. Now, you look at it kind of like this. He gave some apostles, that's the strongest group. He gave the prophets that kind of point the way. You hear me? He gave the evangelists. Uh, on my hand, the evangelist would be like this finger here, and they're the furthest reaching group of leaders. And then he gave pastors, oh, and they're the ones that are like married to the church, so to speak. And then he gave some teachers, and the teachers are the smallest ones, but they're not the, the least significant. They're, more, they're just as important as the rest of them, and these are the ones who help bring balance to everything all of these other birds have said. Their job is to bring, tough job, have to bring balance. When the prophet goes and prophesies and he declares the word of the Lord for the future, he says something God's going to do, then it's the teacher's job to go back here and it's kind of, let me clean that up now. Let me make it where it's something we can apply that to our life and do something good. So he gave these ministries and what these, these guys are, and every one of us in here have some piece of that in our life, I believe. I believe we're all called to do some things. Uh, I'm not sure what my calling is, but I think I'm doing it. And, uh, and so uh, if you're called to be a teacher or a pastor, or if you're called to be an evangelist, uh, Dad, was, uh, Dad was an evangelist for uh, both of you. He pastored churches, but he was a, my dad is 91. He's in a nursing home right now. And, uh, and believe it or not, he still, he's gotten crankier. I'll say that. But uh, he's gotten a little crankier at 71. I'm hoping I don't get that way. I'm only 70, I mean, at 91. I'm only 71, and I hope that I don't get crankier like that. I've been praying, my wife's praying that I don't get like that, or unless I won't have somewhere else to stay. And I ought to. I figured I have to be nice to her because she's the one, when that time comes, she's the one going to decide which nursing home I'm going to be in. So I've got to be nice to that one. But Dad traveled all over and he preached the gospel all over the place in the southeast, some other countries, and uh, up north. And uh, he did a lot. Uh, there's people that are, are, are saved today, thousands of them, are saved and attending church somewhere uh, that uh, dad led to Christ. And um, and there are, um, he's prayed for a lot of people who were dying and they lived on. He prayed for some who couldn't see and they began to see. And he prayed for people who couldn't hear and they could start hearing. And he prayed for people, two people that had died and they came back to life. And it's just like a, uh, that's the evangelist part of his uh, life. The good news is I get to tap into 
the part of my inheritance is that's been passed on to me and my 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 children and my 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 brother and my sister. We've got that inheritance. It's in our blood. It's in our. It's not just in our blood. It's in our spirit. And so we've got that passed on to us. But Dad was an evangelist. He was the one that traveled all over. And uh, also, but he from some, from time to time they would call him to go to a church. And he would take the worst church in, on the district or the worst church in the state. He would go to the worst church, and next thing you know, that church was doing good. And that's the way he wrote. And uh, and so his first church he went to, it was a place called Hampton, South Carolina, this little church of God. And uh, that's the place where they, the state overseer or the state bishop would send you if they wanted it. If you said, I'm called to preach, I want to be a pastor, and they would send you to that church to see if you really were. We like to starve to death while we were there. I was in the first grade, and uh, and we like to have starved to death at that place, and it was a horrible place to be. But what he did was he rented, he had a vision, a picture, and he rented an auditorium there. Uh, this armory, the armory auditorium, and that's where he preached. Had his first healing service. People got came from everywhere and came to that place and got well. That's because he was obedient to the call of what God was. So one of the things that I, we have to do, I have to do, and the and pastor has to do, is we have to be obedient to the call when we're called to do something. Amen. That means there's an amen trying to come in. And so he gave these, these calls, these ministries, to the church. He gave them to the body of Christ. He gave them to you so that you could become mature in the Lord, not that you're not, you're not infantile, but as, as, so that you can become mature in the Lord and grow up in the, in the knowledge and the saving grace and the, and the healing power and the, and the wonderful works of Jesus. We get to do those same things. And that's what I'm, I'm excited about. It is not just, I'm gonna insert this right here, it's not on my notes. It's not just so when you have an evangelist, it's not just the guy or the, the gal who has a slick outfit, the 800 number in the television ministry. Amen. And evangelist is the people who gets up and goes to work and clocks in at the, at the mill on Monday morning. It's the person who goes and teaches a class somewhere. It's the one who, who, who does jobs, has a job to do. I'm called to do the Lord, but I do, do work for God. But while I'm doing work for God, I have to do some other things. You know, uh, Paul uh, worked as a mobile home factory, and uh, the Apostle Paul did. Oh no, it was a tent ministry, a tent, a tent place. But that was the same thing as a mobile home factory of the day. He worked in a, in a, in a building tents and stuff. It wasn't just gospel tents or circus tents. These are places for people to live and, uh, and try, as they travel through the desert. And then he says, till we all come into the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God unto a more mature man, and the word man there is a multi-gender word, not one, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, he wants us to grow up and begin to look like him, begin to talk like him, begin to think like him, because that's who, our, that's who we're called to do, be him. 
that we henceforth no more be children tossed to and fro and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the slight of men and cunning craftiness. We're not... <laughs> uh, there's a place right there I want to talk about, but every time I try to open my mouth to say it, Holy Spirit nudges me and says, no, no, don't say that. So I'm not going to say it. There's, a, there's some of, there's, there are people who do, are called into ministry, and they do things in order to make money for themselves and for their ministries, whatever. What we have to understand is when we're called to ministry, we're called to Christ's ministry. We're called to the ministry of Holy Spirit. He lives in us. I've said it so many, many times. I get, I'm get i not tired of saying it. I just, I love to say it. It's like the one that lives in us is greater than he that lives in the world. Right. He's greater. He lives inside you and me. We have to be, understand that we're not just called to be people who attend church and take, take the place of the pew. We're called to be, go and learn and then go and do after that. Not being hearers of the word only, but become doers. There you go, you got it. You win the prize. All right. In that case, I'm going to cut five minutes off the message. That's not true. Speak the, speak the truth and speak the truth in love. And uh, then I want to go over to the book of Romans. Let's go back to Romans for just a minute. I'm actually going somewhere with all this. We're going to get there in just a minute. Just hang on. Now that's for you, those of you that don't know, that's in the Old Testament, the New Testament, Romans is. And uh, we're going to, well, I had a marker there. It's Romans chapter 10, that's page 1414 of my Bible. And verse 17. So then, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Verse 14 says, How then shall we call on him whom they have not believed, and how shall they believe in him, Jesus, whom they have not heard of, and how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent, as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring good tidings, or glad tidings, of good things. I'm, a, I'm excited about this word. I'm, a, I'm excited about it because faith comes by hearing. If I teach to you or I, the person who speaks here on Sunday, whoever it is, brings to you the word of faith. If you hear the word and you apply the word to your heart, then you will actually have the access to go and do or the, the, the anointing to go and do the thing that God's called us to do. One of the things I, I note that I put on my notes, I said... You know, 
I don't like sermons. I, I don't, I despise sermons. I don't like them at all. If somebody says, I'm going to preach me a, preach a sermon. No, I don't care about hearing that. I only hear what the Lord says. So I don't hear, I'd rather hear a message from the Lord. A message from Holy Spirit. A message from the throne of God. That's what I'd rather have. Not just a sermon. And the sermons, I guess they have a place. But, uh, but I don't, I, we can't, we can't, uh, we can't just live on that. Not for very long. It's, when it's your turn to speak, uh, I got you some subject matter to talk about. When I hear a message, I want that message to do something to me. I want it to change me. I want to be changed. When I bring a word to you, I want that word to be something that helps change you. Not just from the people who go to church, but the people who are the church. Not just when we come to church, but when we leave here, we take the church with us. or out in the workplace or out in the storefront or out wherever I'm at. I want it to be a word that encourages me in my walk with God. That we're more than conquerors. We're more than what we call ourselves. We're not just a bunch of people that go to church sometimes on Sunday. We're a bunch of people that or become the church, and we get to do what the church is called to do. Amen. I want the word to enlighten. I want the word to empower, to stir up gifts that are in you. Today, if if, the, if we have a, a minute, if we get to do any kind of ministry this afternoon, after late this afternoon, I'm just kidding. <laughs> sometime later, sometime later in the morning, if we get to do ministry. One of the things to be good to do is he, 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 they stirred up the gifts. Acts talks about this. Stirred up the gifts by the laying on of the apostles' hands. He stirred up the gifts that are in them. There's some of us have giftings and callings from God. And, and, and that needs to be re-fired again. Amen. I'm talking about me. I need that. I need somebody to pray for me so I've, I've become the firebrand that I've always been. I've always been one who preached. I, I have preached like my pants is on fire. I raised Pentecostal. You're going to see that. <laughs> I, went, I took this church in, in uh, Anion. And uh, the bishop from the Methodist, United Methodist Church, from this is around 2011, I went to see the bishop, and I, I kept I kept hearing they're going to send somebody. I was went in to fill in for a couple of Sundays, 
And so they said, I want you to come and, 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 and go to that church and fill in for a couple of Sundays. I said, sure, I'll be there. I mean, I can do anything for a couple of Sundays. You know, I can stand and sing a song, play the guitar, and, and uh, do a worship thing, and I can bring the word, I can talk. Well, a couple of Sundays uh, turned out about, about a month or so into the process, six weeks, I made an appointment and went to the bishop's office in Birmingham and United Methodist Church. And I, I didn't dress up. I wore jeans, uh, some boots, and a nice shirt with some scrolly work on it. I took some coffee from Starbucks and, uh, and some muffins and scones and all kind of stuff, uh, croissants. I took in a box of food, and I never, never go to a place like that empty handed. I know that, especially when it's church. And uh, so I, I took a bunch of stuff, went down there, made an appointment, and went to see him. He said, Brother Ron, I, I would like for you to, to take that church and run with it. I said, well, you know, Brother Ann, I'm Bishop, I'm not a, I'm not a Methodist. He said, I said, I'm raised Pentecostal. He said, can you do that without speaking in tongues? I said, the gifts are, I remember the scripture where the gifts are subject to the prophet. And I said, Sure. And I preached that, I pastored that church for 18 months, and I, and I, and they, uh, I never, they never heard me speak in tongues, unless they're standing real close to me, because I would stand in the back of the church when I put them a coffee bar in the back, I start, I cleaned out a Starbucks and put a coffee bar in the back with a nice Starbucks stuff, it looked really good, furniture and the whole thing, and, uh, and so when I, I put that in the back of the auditorium there, it was in a, it, and I moved them into from the old building, 200-year-old building, to their new uh, building. It had a walking track and the jumbotron. All that stuff was really cool. And I uh, moved in that, that place, and I was standing in the back by the coffee bar, and I was doing worship, and uh, Tommy, uh, Tommy would come over, uh, and different ones would come and lead worship there on Sunday morning from here. Uh, Jim was so nice to let us borrow worship leaders, because we had none. Sometimes I had to lead it and, and then bring the word, and that was that was a challenge. But I, but I did, and uh, and so, and so it's like uh, I was standing in the back and all during church. I'm like I'm just praying in the Holy Spirit, I'm praying. In the, but God did a whole bunch of stuff while we were there. God used us not just as a pastor, but to set a fire on some things that were been dormant for hundreds of years, hundreds and something years, uh, from from when the, the church was birthed under a brush harbor and, and under a tent, and how that God used us to bring bring, bring revival back to that neighborhood, and so I, I finally uh, got used to it. I love that stuff. I love talking about it. We did ministry outside the church. Totally freaked out some people. When you go stand on the street corner and have a banner that says, we'll pray for you for anything, stop, with a big stop sign on it. And they, <laughs> and people stopped and we prayed. God healed. He showed up. And, uh, and so I'm, I'm telling you, God is, is going to do that. And he did the same thing for all of us. So I want to be one that's, I want to hear a word, stir up the gifts and empower it. I want to hear a word. We need to hear a word about an increase, an increase of faith, that our faith and our confidence in God becomes 
maxed out, that we trust God. And for the equipping the saints, and that's what I just read in the, in the earlier text. The word has to be something that motivates. The word has to be something uh, that is my old pastor, uh, Lamar. He would, uh, he called it vision casting. The scripture says that where there is no vision, the people perish. This word also applies, same word, it applies to churches, it applies to Sunday school classes, it applies to civic organizations, whole cities. Uh, we, we live in Atala, and, uh, and, and I've shared this with the leadership there, that where there is no vision, the people perish. If you have no vision for your community, then your community is going to die. And the word vision is a word, uh, is a it's a word like prophetic. It's forecasting a future event. It's talking about what God wants to do with us in the days ahead. And Lamar would, would teach this uh, vision casting, and he would say, okay, we're stopping. He said, pretend we're on a Greyhound bus, and we're going somewhere. And then he said, we're going to stop the bus, and everybody get off the bus, and go look at this. You know how they used to have it on the front? It, it's a Denver, or it'd be Mobile. Or it would have something written up there, some city, Cleveland, or going to someplace. Anyway, they would have a sign. He'd say, this is where the church is going to go. And he'd stop the bus. And he would, all in our minds, imagine it. We didn't actually, it was not really a bus, but he was the bus driver. And so he would, we'd almost, almost not literally, but go look at the marquee. This is where we're going to go. If you don't want to go here, just stay off the bus. If you want to go here, get back on the bus. This is where we're going to go. And so he would point that direction. And I, I, every time I, I was always getting dropped on a knot when he was, uh, I was scared of what he was going to say. <laughs> Which way were you going to go? Because he was, he, was, he wasn't flatty, but he had a, and he had a purpose for what we were doing. We were going that way. He was, he was with we had one guy that came to the church. He, I think this guy's been here many years ago. He had one guy. He would come to the church one Sunday a month, and he would preach. And I would, and he would. It's kind of prophetic and very Pentecostal, and and a little bit. I would, I was, I just kind of draw up in a knot. And so, uh, I would volunteer to keep the nursery, or I would volunteer to teach children's church. Or I would volunteer to work the sound booth. I would volunteer to do something that I'd be out of town on a vacation. And and this guy would get up and say, Where's Ron at? I gotta work for him. And he was like, he was putting me down. And he was sending me the word. I'd get the word. And and he would he would bring his word. And um, and they'd have to come out to the nursery and get me. So this guy would prophetic be prophetic on me. And so then he would do that. Every time. But there are words that he said to us over the years that I've been walking in for the past number of years. He said words over us without no, there's no prophetic utterance, there's no vision, the people perish. A church will die, a small group will die. It will pass away if there's no vision. There has to be vision. 
Amen. There has to be somebody speaking prophetically about what God wants to do, what God's saying today for this time. That's in Proverbs chapter 29 and verse 18, where there is no vision. In, a, in, a, in our pastors, in our, in our small group, Jan and I pastored uh, kinship groups that was all over uh, Birmingham. We were talking about it this weekend. I was a, we pastored one who was in Homewood, and that's in the up and coming part of town. It's before Soho is, just right down the street from Soho. Real nice apartment complex. We would go there. They had a grand. One of them had a grand piano in it. That's where we met as a small group. And uh, and when we got through, these were like Jewish people, and uh, and they were they were weird. And uh, they were, but they would meet. They loved us, and uh, and they loved what I had to say. And it was and it was every week. It was new people. And uh, and one the one guy was his uncle. Their uncle came to the group. He was Jewish from the old country, and uh, and so he was he stayed in the kitchen, and he didn't want to have anything to do with us crazy vineyardites, and because uh, this was a vineyard meeting, and so I, he didn't even understand English, and so but Holy Spirit convicting power. Is not limited to language. That's right. And so he got saved. He came to Christ in the kitchen. They had to go and interpret for whoever it was that was in there helping him and praying with him. He wanted prayer. He said, I don't know what in his in language, I don't know what y'all got, but I want some of that. <laughs> and, so, and this is an old guy. And he was he was a pretty sharp old man. He's speaking, he's French, French, French Jewish. Jewish, both French and, and Hebrew, whatever, Arabic, whatever they take, I'll talk about it. And so, the, and every time I'd get in the car, and Jan and me would leave, I'd, I'd back out, I'd park in the same spot every time, and for visitors park. And so I'd back up, I told her, I said, every week I did this, I'm not going back. She said, yes, you are. I said, I am not going back there, those people hate me. <laughs> you said, no, you're going to go back. We were talking about this this week when we was out there. Uh, you are, you are, you're going to go back because you're the leader of the group. So you've got to go back. They depend on you to bring the word. And I'm thinking, I wouldn't depend on me to bring the word. <laughs> What's wrong with these people? I ain't going back. She said, yeah, you are. You're going back. You're the leader. And so then we, we had another group. After that, it was in a, a small group, and uh, I was, I'd get in the car, we'd leave, and this was in Roebuck, and uh, we started out another group, and uh, they sent us up there to do that one. And so I was there in the, in the clubhouse, and so they said, you gotta go, After I'd get in the car, and I said, I'm not going back. She said, yes, you are. Every week there was new people. Every week there was people coming to Christ. Every week people were getting healed, and God was showing up every time, and I'm like, I ain't going back. These people hate me. She said, yeah, you are going back. You're the leader. And we were pastoring a church in Albertville. And, uh, and sure enough, those people hated me. 
But anyway, there, <laughs> not really. But uh, uh, we were up there, and, and, uh, and that church, and, uh, and the vineyard church up there, and I, I would get in the car on Sunday afternoon, and I'd say, I'm not going back. <laughs> he said, yes, you are. You have to. And I said, well, I did. Where there is no vision, the people perish. I vision casted the whole time. I talked about what God wanted to do. I talked about God using you and me to do extraordinary, normal, ordinary people to do extraordinary things for the sake of the kingdom. And I preached about that. I talked about that. I would share about that. And then sometimes we get to do that. And that was a whole lot of fun. When we pray for somebody and they do well. They didn't like it because that one church didn't like it because I didn't preach all grace. They wanted me to preach grace. More grace, Brother Ryan. I said, well, there's more. There's, there's 66 books here. There's about 8,000 promises. There's a, a whole bunch of things in there that I can, I can talk about, and I don't have to talk about grace all the time because his grace is sufficient for us. They wanted me to teach about grace, so it's okay for me to sin. It's not okay for me. I don't think we can just keep doing that. At some point in time, we have to get out of the sin mode and get into righteous mode. We've got Sometimes we've got to get out of the sin mode and get into holiness mode. Oh, I said the H word. I'm not sorry. Got to have a vision. So four things that we have tried to do in every one of those groups. We have four ingredients. Things that made these four things made it all a success. As much as it could be. One thing we had is we had worship. <coughs> Whether it was me with a guitar or someone else with a keyboard or somebody else with a with Nothing. Sometimes we had a CD. No, it was a really high-tech one. We had a, a cassette with real high-tech ones. But God used every whatever we use. He will use whatever talent that we have to do that. Worship is a priority, number one. I'll talk about that in just a more in just a minute. The second one would be the word. The word has to be something that goes in our heart, goes into our inner being. And then there's a ministry time, and that's important. That's when people get to take home a piece of what it was to talk about. And then there's fellowship, and that's key, is fellowship. So you got four ingredients that make a small group or a church a success. And those, we have to, we have, to have those. It just don't work. Jesus modeled that for us. He preached the word. He ministered to the, to the hurting. He shared the word. They had some worship. They worshiped the king of glory. I mean, how much better could that be? And then he, uh, then he did uh, fellowship with the, with the uh, apostles and with the disciples. Why do we worship? Uh, it's there's a parable. Let me, let me go over to Matthew 13. And How much time have I got? Am I running out of time? I don't know. Oh, I'm doing good. I got another couple hours. The, uh, 
Matthew 13. We're going to. If you'll give me just about another 15 minutes or less. And then we'll do something different. I, had this, I thought I had it marked, but I guess I don't. Oh, yeah, here it is. It's a parable of the sower. And uh, the reason we worship is because of the parable here. Uh, <clears throat> the parable of the sower. Where did I go with that? When he, uh, the parable is what, uh, and he what he's talking about the, the sower went forth to sow the word, to sow the seed, and when he sowed, some seeds fell on the, by the wayside, and the foul birds came and devoured them up. Some fell upon stony places where they had not much earth, and forthwith, right after that, they sprung up, and they had no, and because they had no deepness of earth, and when the sun was up, they were scorched because they had no root and they withered away. And some fell among thorns and the thorns sprung up and choked them. And the others fell among the good ground and brought forth fruit, some hundredfold, some sixtyfold, and some thirtyfold. And he who has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says of the churches. There is a... Uh, the reason we worship is... When we sing songs, just to be singing songs, that really doesn't mean worship. I was I, I tried to find an old song that would be um, one that's I, I used to call one call them a doo-wop song when they, when when the when the worship team would come up with one and said. But boy, they like some some old cute song. I said, I look at whoever I sit by. I said, that's a doo-wop. That's a doo-wop. And then and then the next thing you know, somebody got up and do a song, and it would be like, today the worship is really good. I was I really I felt most of the time I was feeling the presence of the Lord back where I was standing. It was a good place to stand. That's a good place. You need if you can't if you can't. God, just go stand where I was at a while ago. That's what it is. God's geographical. The uh, Holy Spirit's the same way. The enemy will come if we're not careful and steal the word that comes out from the day of the word. When the word comes forth, he will come and steal those seeds out of our, our life. And we won't have any growth or any fruit because the enemy came, Luke 10, John 10. John 10 says, the thief comes but for to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But Jesus says, I am come that they, who's they, us, you and me, might have life and might have it more abundantly. And so the enemy will come and steal the word from you, and he will take it and go away with it. And you'll be thinking, you know, I, I do not know what he was talking about. I don't know what she said in the Sunday school lesson. I don't know. And the reason why is because the evil one came and stole. Demons, that's their job. 
That's one of their job descriptions is to steal the word out of our heart so it doesn't spring up and grow a fruit. Amen. So what we have to do is say, I'm determined I'm going to worship the Lord because when we begin to worship him, we begin to praise him, we begin to lift our hands, we begin to worship. Sometimes we'll stand up and sometimes we'll sit, sometimes we'll lay on the floor. But when we, when we get into a mode of worship, to worship the king of glory, then the evil one cannot come and steal because that word goes into a good piece of ground and it grows up and produces a fruit in our lives that's some 100-fold, some 60-fold, and some 30. I'm good with 30, but I want 100. Do not let the evil one come and steal your word. Hold it precious to us. Hide the word in your heart that you won't sin against God. Boy, that's a tough word right there. I could have not said that and been okay. But no, it's in the book. we got to do that. Why we worship? He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Also, in the Old Testament, they asked the question, when Israel would be going to battle, when the, the Jewish people, the children of Israel would be going into battle, they would ask the question, who goes first in the battle? Who do you think goes first? The guys who are warriors with the big swords and the big spears? Judah. Now, what does Judah go first? He's the, Judah is the one, is the worship people. They go first. That's the reason why we do worship in the mornings. We do it first thing. We do worship. If you go to a small group where I'm at, you're going to have worship. We're going to do that first. And if we don't get it right, then we, what we do is we just sing songs because we're singing songs and it's the time. It's 1030, so we're going to start it up and do it. No, we're going to worship him because he's worthy. He is worthy of our praise. When we go to heaven, let me tell you, I read the book. It's in the back in the book of Revelation. You can find it for yourself. You can look that up on your computer or a Bible, uh, B-I-B-L-E. You can do that. You can look it up. It's in the book. When you stand before the Lord, you'll see around the throne there's 24 elders that their job is to often, they spend most of their time taking their crowns off and laying them at the feet of Jesus because he is worthy. The one, they say, I looked and I found one that was worthy to receive the worship and his name is Jesus. He's at the right hand of the Father and that's where he's there making intercession for us. That's his job. Amen. Hallelujah. I can feel the Lord. Not because I'm yelling. I feel the Lord. He is worthy to be praised. And the word Judah means praised or, or the Lord be praised. Warfare. And that's why sometimes you know, the, the word talks about Jesus being the lion of the tribe of Judah. Part of Judah's uh, insignia is the lion's head. And his name is Jesus. 
He's worthy of our worship. John chapter 12 says this, and I'm almost done. We don't get excited. John chapter 12 says, And I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. We want to we grow a church. We want to grow a small group. We want to grow our fellowship. Worship. Bring praise into the house. Let it come, not just because it's on the written on the words on the wall, not just because of that, not just because somebody is gifted in guitar or gifted in song gets up and sings a song. It could be a doulah. We want to sing with an anointing. Oftentimes we pray before the church starts, we'll pray and invite the Holy Spirit to come. And the reason we do that is because, <laughs> I'll tell you the truth, I can't preach the message without Holy Spirit. I can bring something, but it won't, be a, it won't have any zip at all. I can just stand and talk. Because I'm a talker. But I will tell you that the Holy Spirit, when we invite him to come into our fellowship, when we invite him to come into... I told you this about three times ago. Revelation chapter 3, he says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. It's Jesus speaking to the church at 11 o'clock on Sunday morning. Behold, I stand... This is not about somebody coming to Christ and getting saved. We stole that word and did it for something else at altar call. But the word here says is actually he's speaking to the church, the Laodicean church, and he said, uh, Behold, I stand at the door. I knock at the door. If any man hear my voice, he's outside saying, If you people that go to the vineyard will hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and I will have fellowship with you. The word koinonia means fellowship and that's what that word is. I will come in and I will fellowship with you and you with me. I'll come and hang out when you when you open the door and we open the door when we lift our hands and worship him, the king of glory, the line of Judah. Amen. Bless that enough. Okay. I didn't got no amens. All right. And then worship is our is the last thing is I wanted to tell you about. Is worship is something when we become intimate with the Lord Jesus. Worship makes those places that I mean praise makes those places dug up. Worship makes Holy Spirit let, lets Holy Spirit bring the seeds and come in. Worship is something that takes a place in our hearts. It's not just words that we sung off the wall. It's something that comes from our heart and goes to Him, and He becomes. When we get before the, when we see the throne of heavens, we'll see that the people that are nailed down and their crowns are there, and they're saying, "Holy is the Lord. Worthy is He to be praised. He is worthy of all glory. He is worthy of honor." All power is his. All might is his. It all belongs to him. And we all belong to him. Amen.
Father, I just thank you for letting me talk to your people today. And I thank you for your presence that we sense today. I bless your holy name. I thank you, Lord, for whatever you're going to do for the rest of the time we're here. I give you the glory, the credit, for all of it in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. If you need prayer for something, today's a good day to receive from the Lord. And uh, you can, what are we do in the prayer at? special holy anointed rug over here. I would say it's flown in from Israel, but see, I know that's going to be a lie. <laughs> flown in from Kirkland's. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I don't know what